Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Michaela Alexis. Michaela is a marketing manager, and I should say a very young marketing manager for a growing tech support provider in Ottawa, Canada, who accidentally went viral on LinkedIn after sharing how she landed her role at grade A. Since then, Michaela has spoken to university and high school students across North America about how the job search has changed, and I found it certainly has. And she has risen to the top 1%, and I repeat, top 1% most viewed profiles on LinkedIn, where she now writes weekly. Her topic today is going to be the pain and power of authenticity, and I can't wait to hear what she has to share to our audience today. She recently published a viral story on LinkedIn about how, and in quotes, how I landed my dream job in two weeks on LinkedIn, and she garnered 8,412 connections and followers, over 15,000 likes, and over 80,000 post views within one week. Wow, that's very impressive. She has a lot to share with our guests today. I can't wait. I think that if you're listening and you're into social media, recruiting, um, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and all the rest, you should get your paper and pencils out and take notes. She is one young, bold young lady, and I'm excited to have her on the show. She will share with us a story I can't wait to hear her talk about. When she was in kindergarten, she says she ran home excitedly, one day brimming with glitter and pride as she announced that she was the only tooth fairy at career day. And everybody else in her class was just dressed up as doctors and dentists. I can just picture that. And she says on her LinkedIn profile that her imaginative spirit has not changed much since that day. She also says, and I invite you to look at her LinkedIn profile, we're waiting for her to get on, um, that she's often the youngest consultant in boardrooms full of senior executives. And she has quickly established herself in the business community as a determined and confident creative marketer. Her experience includes social media marketing on LinkedIn, Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Periscope, and one that I'm not familiar with. And I'm sure that she can show us a little bit more about that as we wait for her to get on.
Welcome to the show, Michaela. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a great interview. I've read all about you on LinkedIn and Facebook, and you have a lot to share to our listeners. I've already introduced you, um, but if we can get started with you telling our guests a little bit about yourself, um, I think that's, that's the best place to start. Okay, so, well, I was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada, beautiful capital of Canada. Um, I spent uh, a bit of my childhood kind of bouncing around Caribbean islands, believe it or not. My dad is from Trinidad originally, and uh, so a lot of my family is either from Trinidad or Barbados, so it made for a really fun childhood. Um, Went to Carleton University in Ottawa, graduated with my uh, major in legal studies and my minor in psychology. And then the last seven years, I have been working in marketing as a whole and kind of focusing in on uh, content marketing in particular. I think that's part of, you know, my psychology background. I'm always just kind of attracted to the more of the communication side of things. Um, Yeah, so that's what I've been doing the last uh, seven years. And I kind of fell into writing on LinkedIn. Um, I had written a post about how I landed my job at grade A, uh, on LinkedIn, and it ended up going viral, which was uh, really cool and also very, very scary. Um, uh, it uh, attracted over 150,000 views and was shared all over the world. I had family members that were telling me that they were seeing me on LinkedIn, which again was very, very strange, um, and kind of realized at that moment that it was time for me to jump back into something that I love, which is writing. And so return to it after, you know, 20 plus years of uh, uh, not really doing or concentrating on my writing skills. And uh, I write weekly now on LinkedIn, and it's been pretty phenomenal. Well, I, I have to share with our audience here that, um, and I did mention um, all of what happened with your viral LinkedIn post. Yeah. And, I, and I've yeah. been looking for that, so I'll have to find that afterwards. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have to say that since yesterday or you posted this morning, I think I've, I've actually um, obtained a lot more friends on LinkedIn, too, just through you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, a funny thing happens, you know, once you kind of build up your personal brand, which is something that I've always strongly believed in, um, people really kind of gravitate towards you. And now I have people that, um, you know, in Ottawa or not in Ottawa that really feel like they know me as a person. And I think it's the ultimate compliment when I go out uh, around town and people kind of tell me that, you know, I, I feel like I know you, but I haven't met you yet. So I'm really glad to meet you. So, so it's great that uh, you've joined my little LinkedIn gang. Oh, that, it's quite fun. I started um, looking at you actually a, a few months ago, and then again, of course, last night. And I shared, before you got on um, this morning, I shared a story that you have on your profile that's just adorable about when you were in kindergarten and you dressed up as the tooth fairy at career day. Can you share that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, I was always kind of a quirky kid. Um, I, uh, we had career day at school and, um, 
it was during kindergarten, and so most of the kids came in and they were wearing, you know, their their doctor outfits and their dentist uniforms, and I was like adamant that I needed to be the tooth fairy, and I uh, was so excited that I was the only tooth fairy. Um, you know, a few years later when I found out that she didn't exist, I was pretty uh, devastating, but in the moment <laughs> I was super pumped about it, and actually, um, just on the same vein, I. I still have to say this Christmas ornament in the same class. Uh, we we're all making Christmas ornaments, and uh, they had Santa Claus on them. And everybody else had made theirs a specific way. And my teacher came over and she said, "You know, Michaela, that's a really nice ornament, but um, Santa's hat is on upside down." And I told her, "No, it's not. Everybody else is wrong." So my mom kept the ornament, and we put it up every year, and I look at it, and it's just kind of like a constant reminder to just kind of, it's okay to be original and be quirky and just own it. I think that that is the key, and that's why I was so excited to talk to you, because I did mention that your topic was going to be, among other things, the pain and power of authenticity. You mentioned quirky, and I have to say, being, you know, a mom myself of three children, your mom and dad instilled that in you. They did, which is surprising. I think my dad, for a brief period, he's a, he is a retired doctor, and I think that he did want me to kind of go into that field, but he realized early on when he realized that I was terrified of needles and blood in general that it wasn't going to happen. And, I mean, I come from a very big family. I have um, two siblings and then five half-siblings, so I come from a pretty big gang. And, um, you know, some of us are doctors and dentists, and my older brother is actually an author, and he just won the Giller Prize in Canada last year, which is the highest honor that you can have for um, in terms of literary awards and uh, wow. for his book. So I, I grew up with both sides of things, you know, the, the practical kind of careers that you can go down, um, and then also this really creative um, path that my brother taught me, and I would just sit down with him, and he would tell me all these stories, and um, I really got into storytelling mostly because, my family embraced both sides. Right. It, it's it. Um, a lot of my questions with the guests, Michaela, have been, you know, do you take the practical route, take mm-hmm. your creative route? And I like that you put mm-hmm. it that way as far as your, your, um, you know, path in life. And it sounds like right. you were given a lot of, a lot of um, choices with all of those fabulous people around you. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did try to go kind of more down the practical route. Um, When I went to university, I originally started in film studies and did that for about three years and kind of came to the conclusion that I would have to move um, and it might not be the best and most practical um, thing for me to be studying, so I moved into legal studies. But even when I was in legal studies, I was always attracted to the cases. I was always attracted to the stories. And it's the same thing in marketing, which, again, was something that I fell into because I thought it was more practical and um, was attracted to content marketing, which, again, is storytelling. So, uh, you know, it's taken me 30 years, but I think that when you have a purpose, it, it does eventually find you. And, you know, storytelling was something that I loved when I was eight and uh, kind of brushed it aside for 22 years, and now it's back, and it feels fantastic. Yeah, when you find something that you love, it doesn't feel like work. Oh, not at all. Not at right. all. Right. 
right? And it certainly found, it seems like you have found your niche. Um, let me ask mm. you, what one person do you admire most in your life and why? Well, I mean, I, I, I would say my, my parents, definitely, because, um, you know, my dad was an immigrant. He came to Canada with $20 in his pocket, and, you know, my mom um, was an almost Olympic runner. Uh, she uh, she competed when she was very young in track and field in the 100 and 200 meter and stopped wow. running for quite a long time, picked it up again when she was in her 50s and went into master's races. And now she travels the world. She's actually um, the top of her uh, age category um, in the entire world for the 200 meter. And so they've kind of like taught me to, you know, there's no narrative that you need to follow. You know, my dad came to Canada when he was in his 30s and had to leave his family behind. And he worked every job from, you know, radio house to um, used car salesman, whatever he could take just to kind of make his dreams happen. So um, I think I've been really, really lucky to um, have parents that are kind of like, you know what, go and experiment, try everything, Um, because there's no one right path. No, there certainly isn't, and it's it's really wonderful when we are blessed to have parents like that. And you know, I I did too, and not everybody does. So yeah, um, I and I love when people say it's their it's their mom and dad like you did. And wow, your mom's a runner after you know fifty plus. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I I usually tend to think that my parents are a lot cooler than I am. You know, my mom will call me from <laughs> Budapest where she's competing, and my dad will be in Brussels with his wife and enjoying, um, you know, fruits for breakfast. And you know, I'm sitting at my my house in in Ottawa and thinking like I'm I feel very lucky because I don't have to worry about my parents in that sense because they yeah, found their own happiness. Right. That's that's wonderful. And then also mm-hmm. um, another question I have for you, um, you talk a lot about reading and, and writing, and I love that because yeah. I love to write myself. Yeah. When did you fall in love with reading and writing and why? I, you know, I was read to from a very, very young age, and I'm so thankful that it was that way. You know, growing up, I felt like I was missing out because other kids had video games and TVs and all those things. And my mom was very adamant about us just reading and enjoying nature and all that good stuff. And um, so a real treat for us was, you know, she would, um, we would have a bath and we would be in our pajamas and we would sit outside on a bench and she would read to us. And um, so that allowed me to learn how to read when I was very, very young. And there's something very strange about my reading habits because I went through the normal patterns of looking at the picture books and then moving on to chapter books. And then eventually I, I started to fall in love with nonfiction. And my parents were, you know, they wanted me to read normal kid stuff in quotations. And I remember throwing a fit because um, I wanted to read a biography on a Russian male ballet dancer. And so that's not very normal for a seven to eight year old, but um, it's something that I just love doing, just kind of immersing myself in a different world. And like I said, it's something that's always followed me in one sense or another um, throughout my life. And now that I'm able to tell stories and share my career um, in a different way, uh, it's been so just helpful. And it brings me back to that place that, you know, I love to escape to when I was little. 
Yeah, reading is definitely, and it was for me, an escape when when I was young too. And um, and it, I love again, and I'll go back to the word quirky that you used, and mm-hmm. your mom just let you be that. And have you found that as you've gotten older, you went through school and now into the the workforce and such, that you have maybe sometimes a hard time being that quirky, or are you just owning it? Um. Well, I would say where I am now, most definitely I'm able to be that way. And I think that's why um, I try to do so much work with job seekers because for me, I was kind of bouncing from one job to the next. You know, I'd stay in one place for a couple of years, kind of put in my time, and then move on to the next career. And um finally decided that it wasn't the type of life that I wanted to live. I didn't want to just work a nine-to-five. I didn't just want a job where I was going to be paying bills. I wanted a company that I didn't have to um, hide who I was or kind of tone it down, that they loved the fact that I was quirky and um, creative and goofy. And so I put together a list of companies that I thought that I would want to work for, and I went after them. And actually, this job that I'm in right now, I had actually interviewed for five years prior, but didn't uh, remember it at the time, which is really interesting because I was turned away because I didn't have enough business to business experience at the time. And so I tell people all the time, you know, um, just because right now I look like, you know, everything's great and I have this wonderful job that I love coming to, doesn't mean that you can't find that yourself. And and for job seekers, a big part of their struggles when they're searching for a job is um, rejection and mm-hmm. uh, losing that self-confidence. And I try to tell people it's fit. Just think of it all the time. It's fit, fit, fit. And even here, you know, I wasn't fit uh, five years ago, but then they followed me along. I was building up my personal brand. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And when the time was right, they were ready, and I was ready, and definitely not anymore. Um, In other jobs, absolutely, Um, and I've had to kind of mold myself into whatever role I was playing, But and I think that's part of the reason that I'm so happy now where I'm at, because I'm able to be myself. Right, and and Grade A is, you're the uh, marketing manager for Grade A. Can you tell us a little bit more about Grade A? Yeah, so it's an IT support company. We're based in um, Ottawa, Canada. Uh, So most of our clients are um, Canadian, local-based. It's just a great company to work for in general. Uh, They're very employee-focused, and they have been since they first started, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, They have a really unique hiring practice, and uh, one of my favorite things that they do is after you pass your three-month probation, they have – the grade A oath, which is basically a promise to clients that we're always going to be our best. And it's scrolled on the wall. Um, and then we also have a book, and you have to sign the book and say the oath in front of everybody. Um, and then we kind of bring it into the group. And then we have other really fun kind of initiation practices, like we do a, a Nerf gun ambush. And then we also have this like burger challenge where you have to go to a restaurant and eat this super greasy burgers. So um, it's a really, really fun place to work because there is a serious side and, um, you know, we take our rules very seriously here, but we also have the fun, playful side where people are genuinely happy to be around. 
That makes such a difference in a workplace. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I love that they, I love the oath story. I have to tell my employer that too. That's great. And with the challenges, it's almost like initiation. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, it is very much a, a collaboration style environment. Um, and they're very much, again, like I said, employee focused. You know, we have our five year wall where it's everybody that's been here over five years. And then we have a 10 year superhero wall. So anybody that's been here for 10 plus years gets turned into a caricature. Um, and they have to fill out like a personality quiz. And that will tell them what um, superhero they're going to become. And then we put those on the wall. So it's just a really fun place to work. Oh, I'm so glad that you found your proper fit. Exactly. That's yeah, great. definitely. Let me ask you, because you mentioned that the job search has changed, and I mm-hmm. I have noticed that too. Can you yes. talk a little bit further about that and what you see? Sure, yeah. Well, for me as a, a job seeker, when I left my last job, I was, you know, I went through the, the normal routine of, you look for recruiters, you meet with recruiters, you send out uh, as many resumes as possible and hope that you are going to be um, hired. And for me, I mean, I like to work, so I don't want to have that downtime. Um, And I think that there's always things that can be under your control. So I looked at this a little bit differently, and I think the turning point for me to kind of change up my strategy was I sent out 10 resumes Um, using a tracking tool through um, HubSpot. And because I wanted to see how many of my resumes were actually open. So I sent out Mm. 10. Only one of my resumes was ever opened. And to me, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to spend my time doing this. So instead, I used um, inbound marketing um, because I figured, you know, I'm using inbound marketing during my regular uh, job. So why not use inbound marketing for my personal brand? So I started putting out articles on LinkedIn. So at first they were about um, social media, and then they were about content marketing. And then I moved into, you know, I had this interview, and it was terrible. So I started talking about my experiences as well. And I started to notice that people were becoming, um, you know, attracted to um, my articles. And so once I felt like I could leverage my network, and then I did something that I've never done before. Um, I've always thought, you know, this is going to come across too um, desperate. This is going to come across um, like too needy. But I put out a message saying that I was looking for my dream job. I explained what my dream job was. I explained what I was bringing to the table. And then my bold move was I'm not going to send out a single resume. So I was going to use LinkedIn um, and nothing else. So I was basically relying on them to send me um, openings in their companies, um, job listings that they've seen on LinkedIn, things like that. And um, I did not expect the amount of love and support that I got from strangers. It was incredible. I was going on you know, three interviews a day, which I assure you has never happened um, through wow. any of my job searches, um, and um, landed uh, my dream job in two weeks, and I turned down four job offers in the process, which, wow. again, has never happened to me before. It's all completely new. So once I, I saw the power of um, both of personal branding and then also of authenticity and vulnerability – Then I shifted my attention and said, you know what, I think this is something that I'm meant to do. 
I think this is something that I'm supposed to put out there. And so, you know, now my purpose is I need to share the things that are happening in my life and in my career. And um, like uh, you said, you know, uh, there's pain that comes with authenticity and um, some of the topics that I write about are not fun to talk about. Um, and they're really, really painful because I'm living through the process of, of what it was like to go through it. But they're so important for me to put out there. And what, um, speaking of that, what has been the hardest topic for you to open up about on social media? Um, I think so far probably um, – how I reported um, harassment at my last job and then was laid off by my supervisor that I had reported um, two weeks later. That was wow. really, really tough. And I think that there were there were multiple layers to that. Um, you know, Ottawa is a, a small community, so um, it's not an easy move to make. Um, so there was some fear there. Um, I knew that there would be retaliation. Um, it was also just really painful for me because when it happened, I don't think that, um, you know, when somebody does that to an employee, I don't even think that they realize what kind of impact they have on the person. For me, it really just made me feel small and it made me feel insignificant. Um, and so that was something that was really hard for me to deal with after I left that place. On top of the fact that I needed to look for a new job, I also had to deal with the insecurity and feeling small and feeling like I'm not worthy. And so the other part of why I landed my dream job in two weeks, and I tell people this all the time, is that I had to focus on um, my, my, my mind and my soul and my body. I had to start, start taking care of myself. Um, I had to look for more balance in my life. It couldn't be all about the job search. I also had to bring in things that were going to make me feel good. And I also had to deal with the feelings of rejection and anger and resentment. Because if you don't deal with that and you just kind of squash it and then move on to the next, you're never going to get to a place that you want to because you have to release it. You have to kind of travel lightly. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. absolutely. And and so you you really were authentic at that point and really had to open up and be vulnerable. And Yeah, and that, yeah, and I think that when people are reading it, they don't necessarily understand how difficult something like that is to put out there. Um and so I I call it the vulnerability hangover which lasts for about a week mm-hmm. after I put something out there that's really hard to write about. Um because not only are you reliving what you've just written about but then you're also taking on other people's stories as well so um i was just floored by the amount of people that were telling me their stories and about what they were dealing with and it was you know miles above what i had experienced and and they were still going through it so um if you're an empathetic person that's something that's really hard to carry um so there's a couple different layers to that well, I love that you mentioned it as a vulnerability hangover. And look at what yeah. the difference you made in those people's lives that were reading your your painful story because I think more too often, way too often, we keep silent about those kinds of harassment or right. being unhappy on a job site. 
Right. Yeah, and I think that I was in a good position to talk about it because my message, and I, I still try to do that even through hard topics, but um, I try to always be positive and encouraging. And so I started to see that people were saying, wow, you're always happy or things are so perfect for you. And that's the last thing that I want anybody to, to think of me because, you know, I've had struggles and there's reasons why I'm so happy. And usually the happiest people are the ones that have dealt with things in the past that have got them to a point where they're just so grateful to have what they do. And, like, for me now, um, you know, those past experiences, I'm not, I'm not mad about them. I don't, I don't resent the fact that I, I went through them because I don't think that I would have – even half of the appreciation for the position that I have now and the life that I have now if I hadn't experienced that. And so that's what I want people to know. I want that to be the message. Well, that's a wonderful message, too. And I like also that you said that you came to a point where you had to take care of your mind, your body, and mm-hmm. your soul. And, and deal with the anger because there's a lot of anger that we go through. Yeah. Um, and on you know with employers with bosses and such mm-hmm. and you came out with it i'm i'm proud of you yeah you well you know it, it's 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 necessary to go through those feelings i think that sometimes we have guilt about the fact that we're angry about something or we feel like we're not strong because we're sad about something. And for me, I, I, I gave myself three days. I'm like, oh, go for it. Half a pity party. Wrap yourself up in the duvet cover and be a human burrito and watch hours of Netflix and cry. Just do that. But then when you're finished that, then it's done. And I think that's the part that a lot of people miss. Yeah, absolutely. And I have I have two more things to ask you. One I'm sure. um, really intrigued about, actually both of them, but you describe yourself as an other in quotes. And what, yeah. what, is, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think, so when I was younger, we would always have, and I, I mean, I still fill them out, but we had forms and you would fill out, you know, your your name, your address, all that, that stuff. And then you would have the, your, um, your race. And there would be white, black, um, maybe a couple other categories, and then there was other. And I also always felt very uncomfortable with the fact that I'd have to tick off other because even though I look more white, my father is black. He is from Trinidad, and that's how I grew up. I grew up as a, you know, um, with that Caribbean influence. And mm-hmm. so I was always kind of ashamed of the fact that I had to keep picking off this other. And I even remember I went to an interview when I was about 16 and um, they were asking me the questions and, and the person that was interviewing me asked, um, so uh, your race, uh, white or black? And I said, I'm not either of those. And she said, well, if you had to choose, which one would you choose? And I think that was the moment where I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed about this anymore. There's so much power in the fact that you don't belong in quotations, to a group. And so for me now, I look back on those years and I'm like, it's probably a really good thing that I didn't feel like I ever fit in with any specific clique or group or race or whatever because it made me more accepting. It's hard to be um, to put stereotypes on people when you don't really belong anywhere. And so I think the fact that I, I am empathetic and I have a big heart is partially because of the fact that I've never really fit into a specific box. What a wonderful, inspiring story. And you're so young. I'm so impressed. That brings tears to my eyes. 
I had no idea what you meant by by other, and that makes perfect (laughs) sense. And then today, with all that's going on in politics, and we need that diversity, and and we should embrace it. And I'm glad that you came to a a point in your life where you've embraced it. That's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And one one last question, just because – I, I, you know, I am a female um, and have been in boardrooms full of senior and male executives, but you said you're, especially now with what's going on in, in your career, you're often the youngest mm-hmm. consultant in boardrooms mm-hmm. full of senior executives. How does that feel? It's, uh, you know, I think that it's a lot easier for me to deal with now. Um, I'm a lot more confident now. And, um, you know, I've learned a lot about leadership and all of that good stuff over the years. It was tough when I was younger because, you know, there's there's all sorts of stereotypes when you're um, a female and you work in a male-dominated industry where, you know, you can't be too nice because then you seem kind of um, too gentle and then you can't be too rough because then you look aggressive. And so I got a little bit exhausted with that after a while and I decided, you know, I'm just going to be exactly who I am, which I think is is pretty fun and pretty outgoing and um you know the, the longer that you're in this industry and you work around different types of people um i think it gets a lot easier so uh in terms of dealing with it i think that it just comes with a lot of experience there's a lot of um lessons good and bad that come with it even in my last job you know there are lessons that i learned there that made me um Uh, a stronger um, female employee in my next position. So those are tough lessons that that you need to learn, but they do happen, and um, I'm thankful for them. Well, I I love your story, Michaela, and I know our listeners have have, um, as well. Um, And we want to know how uh, to get in touch with you. I'd invite all of you to get on her Facebook and her, especially her LinkedIn page and, and read yeah. some of the articles. I, I didn't even have enough time to go through them all this morning, um, but I was deeply inspired and I'm glad you're out there doing well, that for so all much. the, yeah, absolutely. All the young women and men who are following you and what a difference you've made. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And it was so fun chatting with you. Absolutely, and you can reach her, and her name is spelled M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A, Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S, and you can find her at that name on LinkedIn. I'd invite you all to do so. Thanks again so much, Michaela. Thank you. Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. How do you help business owners think differently about their businesses? Well, uh, you know, I think that there's a range of business owner, right? So, and I provide a couple of different services. On the, on the coaching and consulting side of my business, I think that's what I truly do is, is I help 
to educate. I think that's the key word, educate business owners on both their opportunities as well as I open their eyes up to what they need to commit to. Uh, certainly when it comes to a personal brand uh, and certainly when it comes to their own business if, if it's a smaller business, right? So, right. you know, I, I educate them on their opportunities. I help them to uncover and really visibly see, you know, who their target audience is online, what their online behaviors are, how to engage them in an authentic way, which is not a piece of cake. You know, it's not like... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.